Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. What we see is a broader battle between civilization and barbarism. The barbarism is led by an axis of terror. The axis of terror is led by Iran. It includes Hezbollah, Hamas, Houthis, and their other minions. That's Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, uh, talking about just the terrible things that have gone on over in Israel and the evil that we face in the world. Uh, Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm Mark Ellinger, sitting in the big chair, along with producer Hannah. Hello. And John Marsh. Good morning. Good morning. And it is our pleasure to bring in um, somebody who maybe can give us a little bit more detail and enlighten us uh, about what's going on in Israel, um, not just the the history, the attacks, um, and but but really the suffering folks are going through in Israel right now. And also talk a little bit about the the issues we have here in, in Missouri. So it's my pleasure to welcome in Rabbi Birgitta Rosenberg. Welcome, Rabbi. Good morning. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Look, it's been a really tough time for uh, the Jewish American community, but kind of pales a little in comparison to the tough time that it is for Israelis uh, currently. Um, You're really tied into um, the the Israeli-American community, and maybe give folks out there a little bit of an understanding of just what people in Israel have had to live through up until these attacks, these horrible attacks occurred on October 7th. Okay. Um, So I will say before the October 7th attacks, look, the reality is down in the Gaza envelope, the border with um, Gaza, Israelis, especially in the South, have had to deal with every so often a barrage of rocket attacks that have come from Hamas, from the Gaza Strip. And so most folks in Israel are, um, I guess, pretty used to the fact when the sirens go off, they go into safe rooms. When I talk about safe rooms, one of the things that we don't think about in the United States is that it is now required by law in buildings and homes that are built in Israel that there has to be a safe room, a bomb shelter is built into every home. And typically that room is a bedroom. And the idea is that when the sirens go off, everybody in the family in the home goes into that bedroom. They're able to close the door, close windows, and so on. um, And they become shelters. And, and it's a reality. And, and and that's been that way for a long time and, and what's really happened, you know, Hamas has, you know, vowed the entire destruction of the state of Israel and everyone in it. Uh that what what allowed this kind of October seventh massacre to occur and how does the state respond to that? No, I was I would say yes, the Hamas charter does say that it calls for the destruction of the state of Israel. What what allows for or causes what happened on October the 7th happen? That's a great question. I mean, um, in terms of what went on on the Israeli side and what was missing, certainly Israel's going to be dealing with that. But Israel right now is focused on fighting this war and rooting out Hamas. And when the war is over, 
then my guess is there'll be a lot of people who are going to be called to um, have to talk about what went wrong, what happened to the border security. Why didn't anybody know this was going to happen? How were 3,000 Hamas terrorists able to infiltrate this border that is typically pretty well secure? In terms of, you know, what Hamas did, it was... I mean, there are no words. There are no words for what you saw, for the brutality, for the rape, for the decapitation, all of that. And then taking, you know, 240 hostages. These are not, while there are a few soldiers, the majority of them are civilians. They have a 10-month-old baby. So how is Israel supposed to respond? How is any sovereign nation supposed to respond? When you take captives, when you come and do that much destruction in one day, how else does somebody respond than to attempt to root out that evil? And that's what Israel's attempting to do and trying to find those hostages, bring them home. I mean, it's, it's really a situation of, I mean, there is actually good and evil in the world. And perhaps what happened uh, on October 7th, if, if there's any silver lining, will allow us to know that we can see the face of evil. Uh, ultimately, however, uh, you know this this has kind of become a argument of context in certain parts of in the United States and around the world uh, to try to justify or explain the horrors that Hamas did. We've seen some of that now start to filter through in in the United States in the capital. Uh, you know, context is, I guess, is important, but there's a lot of context I think people are missing, and maybe you can enlighten us on some of that, because I think there's there's a lot of context from the Israeli side that's missing in that discussion. Tell me a little bit more about what you're asking. Well, well Sorry. I mean, look, you know, there's a history of the wars. Um, there's, you know, from 47 forward, there's always been this attempt to destroy Israel. And, yes. you know, that's never talked about. The hostages are never talked about um, in, in these protests. It's, it, there's a false equivalency to try to use words to justify evil, and that's got to be that's creating a problem uh, globally for for Jews, but I think for all free loving people. Absolutely. Look, I think the reality is most people don't seem to care about history. What people forget is that in 1947, the United Nations voted for two states. There was to be a Jewish state and an Arab state created side by side. Israel, the Jewish state, said, okay, and it was on 50% less land than, you know, what they wanted, but they said, great. They accepted the state, they created, and right afterwards, five Arab countries attacked, and we went into the War of Independence. And so what has happened throughout history is that, you know, there's continual attacks from Israel's neighbors. In 19, between 1948 and 1967, I think it's important for people to remember that Gaza was under Egyptian control. These same people that are in Gaza were under Egypt, and Egypt hasn't done anything. The same for the West Bank until 67. And then Israel, between 67 and 2005, yes, was in control of Gaza, and since 2005, Israel has not been in control of Gaza. So many people continue to talk about this occupation, but there is no occupation of of Israel over Gaza. Um, Israel has had to protect its borders. At times, Israel has had to put in a blockade, trying to keep weapons out of Gaza. 
But there are two borders onto Gaza. Egypt can also help. And the question has been, why hasn't Egypt done more? And why has the world only pointed toward Israel? And I think the context is people don't know history. We're speaking with Rabbi Brigitte Rosenberg of the United Hebrew Congregation up in St. Louis. Shalom, Rabbi. Uh, I have friends in Clayton who attend Temple in Clayton and all. I talked to them not long ago after this all occurred. And so what's security like at, at the synagogue and all? And they said, hey, we've had heavily increased security since the uh, shootings at the uh, temple in Pittsburgh and all. Can you address that and where the mindset is? I know I know the police in Clayton have even been there at, at uh, Shabbat services. So absolutely. Look, synagogues across the United States have had security, um, many of us well before 2018, with the, as you mentioned, the synagogue shooting at Tree of Life in Pittsburgh. But definitely since then, our security budgets are tremendous. Most synagogues do have uniformed officers um, and have more security than what people can actually see. And look, since since um, October 7th, all synagogues, Jewish institutions have been on heightened alert. Um, and we do, we are working, I would say most congregations around the country with law enforcement officials just to help us um, maintain our safety. And and Rabbi, up in St. Louis just recently, I guess the day before yesterday, there were some pretty big protests um, that seem to have a fairly violent tinge to them. We've seen some real violent protests uh, in other parts of the country, including a death out in California at one of the protests of, a, of an elderly Jewish man. How do Americans and how does your congregation deal with the day-to-day understanding that they go to work, um, you know, they go to school, and yet there's this kind of protest and hatred out there? It's hard. I would say it's difficult. You know, the hard thing for people to understand is, you know, October 7th happened. It didn't happen in a vacuum for the Jewish community. Um, With regard to Israel, um, it's such a central part of our faith tradition. And I would say for most American Jews, we're connected by two or three degrees, sometimes one degrees of separation from Israel and Israelis and what's going on. And then to be here and to live um, live with what's going on in Israel in mind, and yet to watch around the world, to see that for so many people, it doesn't seem that this is about Israel. It seems that this is really more about Jews, and it becomes scary. It becomes that question of, am I allowed to be myself out in public, in the open, or do I have to hide who I am? And... I would say, especially in the United States in 2023, none of us, no one should have to hide who they are. We should feel safe and secure being able to go about our daily lives here in the United States. And and, and there are places in New York where they advise Jewish folks not to go out in public with any kind of indicia of their religion. Um, Do you see any of that in Missouri, or have we so far been a little more tolerant um, and not seen kind of this anti-Semitic hatred that is spewing out in parts of the bigger cities? So I will say thus far, I I think that... um Thankfully, we've been more blessed in Missouri and the fact that um, we haven't seen so much. 
Does it mean that there aren't people that are calling out or yelling things at Jewish people when they know they're Jewish? Not at all. I, I have heard from some students in our local high schools that they have heard a little bit of that. Nothing that's necessarily made them feel completely threatened, um, but people are taunting them. And um, thus far, we haven't been asked or suggested that we have to hide who we are. Um, and I hope that that continues here in our state. Well, Rabbi, thank you so much for taking some time today. We wish you all the best, health and safety to you and your congregation. Um, and, and, you know, please, please stay safe and remember the importance of the good work you all do everywhere here and around the world. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Coming up next is the morning bell, I guess, with me. And, you know, there's a big... You guess. I guess. There's a big dome out in Las Vegas uh, that a lot of people know about. And there's some churning waters underneath in the ownership of that. Maybe some people are about to leave. We'll have that in just a few moments on the morning bell. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Their words are their responsibility. What you think, that's on you. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. All right. Markets are looking good this morning. Futures are up across the board. Uh, uh, the they, markets? The markets. There you go. Gosh, they named it after me. How nice Very of them. good. Yeah. Uh, it's looking good. There's lots of positive, lots of green. I like seeing green across the board. Uh, it just kind of makes you feel happy, doesn't it? It's better than seeing all that red that pops up. Uh, Microsoft hit an all-time record high. Uh, OpenAI is just killing it for them and if you've got microsoft stock out there you're making a mint right now because it is just cruising to the stratosphere but if you're a netflix person are you a netflix person hannah um my parents Ah. are a netflix person for me until recently you know netflix cracked down on it well and and now they're going to raise prices again So uh, that's why I parted company with them. They uh, they're making lots of money, but they're just raising prices left and right. So you know, not a surprise at that, right? Streaming platforms always say that they're cracking down on password sharing, and I always roll my eyes and like whatever. Of uh, a month ago, maybe a little more, the husband and I went to pull up Netflix. You know that my parents pay for, <laughs> <laughs> and my parents know that we use the account, but. It said, hmm, it appears you're not on the home Wi-Fi. Are you traveling, or would you like to set this Wi-Fi network as your home base? Uh Uh-oh. Like, so we're either not going to watch Netflix, or we're going to screw my parents and say, this is the home Wi-Fi network. Uh, You just have to to text your parents and say, hey, can I use the Netflix? It's like being back at home when you were a kid. Can I use the TV? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, out in Las Vegas, there's this sphere. Have you seen that? I mean, it's amazing. If it, if I'm fortunate enough to see it in person, um, I it think lights Stephanie up the skyline. Went. Yep, it lights up the skyline. It's absolutely amazing. It became the Jazz basketball for a while after the championship. Yep, it's it's really cool when they put the emojis on it. You drive down, <laughs> it's a big yellow ball with the emojis. Well, um, it was slightly over budget. You might have heard it cost about two point six billion dollars to build. 
And that didn't go so well, I think, for some of the people that were in the hierarchy there. Apparently, that wasn't the budget, and that wasn't the promise. And guess what? The CFO is was kindly asked to leave oh. after a shouting match with oh. the owner of the company and the head financier, a guy, uh, a guy named Dolan. Uh, James Dolan is the guy who owns the money, and his CFO had been with him for a number of years, and... He's gone because I guess if you come out a billion dollars over budget on a big ball in Las Vegas, it's probably time to leave. So while U2 continues to be in-house, the CFO for Sphere, which is actually owned by Madison Square Garden, if you didn't know that, is uh, gone. What's a ticket going to cost to go there now? <laughs> I don't know, but they're going to five hundred bucks to go to the IMAX. Huh? They're, they're going to keep jacking them up until they find the limit where they can't sell it out. But right now, people want those tickets. Something crazy. Well, it's I know, amazing. I know, friend of the show Jennifer Bukowski, who was in earlier this week co-hosting, she went and was not very impressed because I guess <clears throat> it's kind of woke as far as some of the programming that you can essentially watch there it's like a fancy imax movie theater is mm-hmm. the way i understand it and the program that she went and saw was a lot of you know woke language about climate change i think is what it was i think there's only two things you can watch there right now U two which costs a thousand dollars a ticket or the woke stuff uh the woke mo- movie that they've got going there so it's uh, it's an adventure. You should get out and see it. It's at least worth seeing the pictures of it, if nothing else. All right, coming up after the break, John, you know, there's budget woes in the state, and the Missouri Supreme Court's going to take some arguments. We should probably touch base with that because Planned Parenthood's back in it. Opinion, free of charge from Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I'm Mark Ellinger in the big chair for another half hour, joined by producer Hannah. Hello. And John Marsh. Good morning. And lots of stuff going on. Gosh, I'm still just depressed over the election results across the country yesterday. Golly, I I thought we'd have better success. I thought things would turn out a little bit better. And The the red drizzle uh, 2.0. I'm not even sure you can say it was red drizzle. I think it may have been blue rain. Certainly, certainly, certainly is a blue day in Virginia and in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Kentucky. I guess only Mississippi is the bright red spot left out there. We kept the governor's race for once. And and that that was closer than than what we expected. It is, you know, that Mark, there is a there's a sizable amount of the population. And I know this is going to be hard for our listeners to understand but in in you know they're not going to agree with they're not going to disagree with what i'm saying they're going to disagree from the perspective of the other people there are a lot of people out there who think this this is president biden is is awesome that you know we are doing the economy's great um we can all go out and have abortions etc um the you know people are working they will argue the economy is better they will downplay inflation they will make it sound like it's not the the point of the matter is that there are more i mean you know in 1976 when inflation was going on, the media really hit uh, Gerald Ford hard. In 1980, the media really hit uh, Jimmy Carter, the incumbent president, hard over inflation. 
President Biden doesn't get that kind of of um, scrutiny that those two presidents got. One was a Democrat, one was Republican. You and I are old enough to remember it. It is completely changed, and the and the people don't know. But if you look at the polling. People do know. I mean, 72%, uh, there's a poll out this morning, 72% of people polled uh, disagree with the way Biden's leading the country. It's true. His approval rating, his approval rating's at 39%. I mean, he, his approval rating makes Donald Trump's approval rating look good. Um, you know, it's it's unbelievable how unpopular he is, how unpopular his policies are, with wars going around the world, domestic security, the border, the economy, everything is negative, and then people wake up on a Tuesday morning in November and vote Democrat. You just can't, it's, it's, I guess it's because he's not on the ballot and his policies directly are not on the ballot yeah and that's that's true i mean you you know that that's that would be accurate although i think a lot of the people that cast their votes for um you know for bashir in kentucky are probably supporters of of the president but but not all um that kentucky governor governor's race is really i think again worth mentioning you and i touched on it in the six o'clock hour Kentucky is that map was pink and uh, and and you know to the to Bashir's credit the governor there he carried some of the counties in Appalachia and he held he really held the the count down and uh, strong turnout in Louisville we knew that would be coming and strong town strong turnout in Frankfurt that to me is the you know Ohio's getting a lot of the attention on the abortion and stuff but I really believe Mark that win for the Kentucky governor that was probably the biggest thing that was a huge I think a huge win um, the Republicans should have won that race they they, they should have but they uh, in terms of voter registration they should have but they did not I mean Mitch Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul seemed to win those the the and the you you mentioned well, there were a couple other races on the ballot and the the f- same folks turned around and voted for two Republicans fifty nine and sixty percent yeah I mean almost down the board Republicans were very successful in Kentucky just the governor it's and, it, and again you vote for the person that's right. Um, you know, we, we struggle, I think, sometimes, particularly um, in light of the environment we're in right now, where you don't get to vote against somebody. Mm-hmm. You actually have to vote for somebody. You know, you look at a ballot, it doesn't say not Joe Biden. <laughs> you know, it says Joe Biden has another name on there. You have to pick who you're voting for. I think what's interesting is, you know, I like these maps. These graphic representations are really nice. Uh, Mississippi voted. Tate Reeves was under a bit of a scandal with the Brett Favre uh, issue that it was actually his predecessor. It wasn't right. it wasn't Reeves himself, but he kind of got caught up in the scandal on it. Uh, they you have to get fifty percent plus one vote in Mississippi, or you go to a second runoff election. That's right. He got as of now about fifty one point eight percent in a deep deep red that's, state. That's right. And yet I love looking at the map because if you can imagine. The, the state of Mississippi, you know, the Mississippi River runs down the east side of that state. That's right. And the entire length of the Mississippi River, the delta, is entirely blue. And the entire eastern half of the state, with the exception of a couple of counties, is entirely red. I mean, it is, if you look at a state and you want to see a divide, right. it's not the polka dots like we get in Missouri. It's a divide right up and down the state. And, and we forget every state is unique. And it that's is. what makes it different. It is. And, I th- and, and you and I think the same way on those maps. That's very interesting. But again, the Democrats overperformed in, in that race. I mean, Mississippi, um, you know, when I was very, very young, w- would have been uh, Democratic, but it was it was trending. I mean, when Ronald, Ronald Reagan 
actually I remember him announcing his campaign. It was down in 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 the state of Mississippi. It was, but the Democrats have not done well, and for the Mississippi GOP governor to essentially get fifty one percent of the vote, that is. Um, that's a you know Presley almost won that race. He, Presley what, easily could. What is Elvis's cousin? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> but, but ran an inter- ran an interesting race. But no, I I uh, uh, you know so yes they they could have and it seemed to me that the Democrats Mark and John put a lot of resources and they were successful in Virginia obviously with the with the legislature or the House of Delegates whatever they call it there but they they were they were obviously very very focused on Ohio and definitely Kentucky I wonder if the Democrats and I know some came in but if the Democrats had focused more on Mississippi if they could have turned that race I don't know but you're right about that that Mississippi River Delta those by the way that's some of the poorest poorest areas Anywhere in the in, in the state, or I would argue in, in the entire South, yep. and they definitely um, they went for Presley. Yeah, and, and you know we've seen that consistently. Um, the Delta has always been a, a stronghold of, ironically, of Democrat votes, um, considering the history of the Democrat Party, particularly the history of the Democrat Party in the South. I mean, which was the party the of Southern Jim Crow. Democrats and the Lyndon Johnson crowd. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what, what I can't remember is that was it George Wallace that said segregation now, segregation forever. Yes. I mean, that's that's Alabama. his yeah. yeah Alabama. Yeah, yeah I mean, but yeah. you know, they, the the desegregation of schools down there, all of that was done by Republicans, and yet uh, that area just votes reflects. Democrat. Um, it's kind of shocking when you think about it. It's not, not a whole lot different than we have in Missouri. I mean, you know, St. Louis and Kansas City have been running in the ground and by Democrats, and we just keep putting more Democrats in. In the poor, I would say that the poor, and you're, and you're right about Kansas City and St. Louis have obviously strong Democratic support, but the um, the difference between Mississippi and at least right now, in and we'll see what happens. Maybe abortion will have a difference. I don't know, but you look, Mark, at the at the maps of Missouri, and outside of Columbia and um, Columbia Boone County, I would say Columbia more than more than Boone County, St. Louis, Kansas City, and then a little bit of Springfield, inner city. The rest of the state has been bright red. It, it has right, been for a while. It, it has been. I would say since 2016, um, it, Matt Blunt obviously did well in 2004. But, uh, you know, the difference between that and Kentucky is, you know, Bashir won in some, I would argue, red counties and, and definitely held the vote vote down. But for the Republican governor of Mississippi to only get 51 percent, the Democrats did well. I mean, they ran an interesting race and they... Um, they did try to tie him to the scandal, but they were basically saying that the state was not going in the right, right. direction. That and, was, and they'd had some problems. Jackson, uh, Mississippi, the state capital, had the water supply issue. Yes, it uh, created a real political problem for the governor. Uh, and they the ran abor- out of ballots in some areas yep. yesterday, too, which definitely wasn't good. And, and the abortion issue is going to have implications. I mean, it's going to have implication, real implications in Missouri now. We've got all this litigation going on uh, dealing with abortion, the ballot titles on the various initiative petitions. One of those, I think, I think the one thing I take away is the Democrats will be foolhardy not to push one of those and get it on the ballot because there's a real opportunity to do some things with voter turnout and defining candidates, and that only hurts Republicans. Uh, and, you know, this next year, we've had a really good, you know, it sounds it sounds terrible to say, but the, the COVID stimulus money, which is a, such a boondoggle on a national level, has really helped our state budget and made things really good from a governance perspective because lots of money makes everything good. True. Revenues are down. They're not up. You know, we're not seeing growth in the tax revenues. And that means next year's budget in the state will be tougher. 
going into an election year, a Republican administration, a Republican House and Senate, a tougher budget, uh, that abortion measure gets on the ballot, you could really potentially have some impact, maybe not in the governor's race and maybe not in the U.S. Senate race, but boy, in a lot of state Senate and state rep races, I agree. really make a difference. Do you, th- in, in I, and I've definitely heard that, and it's, it's, we're, we're out a year right now, but um, is there any possibility where it puts crystal quaid in the governor's mansion i mean you know she she is one thing about her mark and john she i've interviewed her many times she always was willing to talk to the press um in my audience at missouri net at the time was primarily republican i mean rural radio stations they voted but she would speak to me i have to give her a lot of credit for that um i was always treated her very fairly and she always was but but she goes into some of these red counties as well in campaigns is there any chance that does she have a chance and i'm thinking the reason i say that not just abortion but republicans are going to come out of a bruising primary one would think in the gubernatorial race we remember 1992 um roy blunt will bill webster and, and wendell bailey you and you and i remember that and that was a just a nasty primary it was uh, a bloodbath and it, bill webster went to prison he ended it yeah. it was in 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 at that time republicans had controlled the governor's mansion for 12 years and and, and mel carnahan won a, a kind of a landslide as yeah. i recall he, at that he won time. easily and and so did a whole lot of other democrats yes. uh and it ushered in an era i guess you know if you think about it from 93 i guess he would have been sworn in in 93 until what 2017 when Greitens was sworn in so i mean what is that that's 24 years yeah. there was one four-year term of a republican governor i mean right. it's it's insane to think about how many terms democrats got in there two terms of mel carnahan a term of bob holden that one term of matt blunt right. and two terms of jay nixon Huge. in a state that was voting overwhelmingly republican on a national level and flipped the House and the Senate to become supermajority Republicans. They overrode Jay Nixon's vetoes. They did. I just can't see the. I can't see a path for Crystal Quaid to be governor. It doesn't mean that's impossible. I think people really thought that Nicole Galloway had a shot against Mike Parson. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure that there's certain people that were supporting Mike Parson that didn't think that Nicole Galloway had a shot. And it wasn't close in the it end. It wasn't. It was a, about 58%. The only, and you're right. It, it, it is interesting to think about. That was a huge deal. Mel Carnahan obviously governed. I mean, he was pro-death penalty. I mean, he, he put in the 85% law. I mean, it was, he built those prisons. I mean, he, he definitely was, was tough on crime. Um, the, the other thing I would point out is that, you know, the, the the going back to what you're talking about about the issue of abortion it 1999 doesn't seem like that long ago but it might as well be an eternity mark let's say 24 years ago our young listeners won't understand this when i say it they'll have a hard time believing it but the fact of the matter is that a democratic legislature house and senate Democratic-controlled legislature overrode a Democratic governor on a veto on a partial birth abortion bill. That was done not 124 years ago, 24 years ago. You and I remember it. It was a big deal. And Governor Carnahan and a lot of those Democrats got along. They didn't agree on abortion, but they always they tried to agree on other issues. But the fact is they overrode him. Republicans voted to override as well. That's how 
how much it's changed politically. That it might as well be 150 well, years ago. You know that that's the abortion issue. If you'll recall, Democrats joined with Republicans. I think it was still a Democrat majority to pass yeah. concealed concealed carry. That's over, right. Over over a, a Democrat governor veto. 2003. That was a he, the, yes, and there were at Good that point. time that Maurice Lawson was yep. one of them. That's right. Yeah, okay, think back to the 90s, guys, and thinking about guys like Danny Staples and Rod Jetton and all those people. How times have changed, I guess, huh? It sure has. It's changed a lot. Well, time is changing on us, and uh, we need to come take a break. We'll come back with some leftovers. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Text the crew at 874-9390. Warning, everyone on the show can read your texts. Here's a big old serving of leftovers. Enjoy. All right, leftovers. All right, by the way, the text uh, groove is really upset about my Missouri. <laughs> I don't understand why I, people have a problem with the way I say the well, proper name of our state. But tomorrow, Scott Fawn <laughs> will be hosting. And if you liked my hour and a half of Missouri, you'll get three hours of Missouri from Scott. Who, who's next? John Ashcroft? <laughs> it's just funny because, you know, Stephanie and I like to give you a hard time about it. And I, I cringe just a little bit, but I don't get actually angry about it like some of our texters this morning. So, it, yeah, next, next show is going to be interesting for a couple of our... Wake up family members out there. I never knew it was such a hot topic until I started saying it on the radio. Go figure that out. Well, John, do you have any leftovers? Yeah, well, this is a pretty big one. Jefferson City Medical Group and Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield have finally reached a contract okay. agreement. Because when we talk to them, JCMG has about 30,000 patients in mid-Missouri. So that means they'll remain in network. And if they hadn't come to terms... Folks have been paying those out of network costs and might even had to travel outside mid Missouri to get care. So well, that's good if you're news. an Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield guy and you go to Jefferson City Medical Group, you are good. There you go. I guess people are happy now in Jeff City with that. Hannah? I had a story that was runner up for what's hot with Hannah, um, because of course John knows this. I like to do weird animal stories. And Fox News had a very serious sounder. Um, that I just, I wanted to highlight because it's, it's really funny. They're used to bears in this Longwood, Florida neighborhood north of Orlando. But the Gutierrez family wasn't expecting what their doorbell camera captured Friday. A black bear stealing their Uber Eats delivery of Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's so serious. The reporter, kudos to the reporter for making it so serious. But it reminded me a little bit of John Marsh's chocolate milk newser from a few weeks ago i had no idea bears like taco bell i that's that i would have figured i would have figured you know in, in light of food that that would be low on their list of things <laughs> they have kind of an old brandon rathard joke in there somewhere about <laughs> well several weeks ago i did a story about a a bear who broke into a screened in porch and there was a refrigerator on said porch and the bear like drank a bunch of white claws out of their refrigerator. Oh, that's uh, they're that's not picky. A, that's a drunk bear right there. Hey, uh, <laughs> it, the, what, one other item: Missouri uh, Supreme Court today will take oral arguments on the defunding of Planned Parenthood, Part Two or Three. 
Or 12. Uh, yeah, I mean, the legislature oh. has tried to defund Planned Parenthood so many times and has been unsuccessful. This is the second or third time that it's gone to the Supreme Court. Uh, they're taking arguments this morning. I believe they're at 930 in Jefferson City. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, wow, all the way back to the days of Jack Danforth, huh? Yeah, and, you know, they've tried to defund it in the appropriation bills, and it's hard to do, and, and they've been hung on it. But I guess uh, I guess we'll see if it works this time around. Well, I think we've... We managed to survive without Stephanie. We'll, uh. You did it. Yeah. Tomorrow, Scott Fawn will be on, and Stephanie will be co hosting. And we'll see you somewhere down the road. Happy 248th birthday on Friday to the United States Marine Corps.